This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. This month on broadcast we've been looking at the topic of faith and we've been coming at it from a number of different angles that relate to church planting. And in this episode of the podcast we'll be looking at the idea of having faith for other people as we plant. You can find more resources on faith at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org and to access the notes on this episode of the podcast, you can visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 79. So what do we mean when we talk about having faith for other people? Well, what we don't mean is faith in other people. Because the idea of placing faith in people might sound like it's honouring and even a noble thing to do, but it is ultimately misguided. Because faith is, at its essence, an assurance of what is not seen. And in order to have the rock-solid foundation that can provide such certainty of assurance, our faith must, at the end of the day, be placed in the character and the promises of God. Only God himself carries such an unshakable faithfulness so as to be a suitable object for our faith. So our faith is in God, not in other people. But it is possible to have faith for other people. And really what we're saying by that is that we have faith in what God wants to do in and through that person's life. So we look at their calling and their gifting and uh, their dreams and their desires. And we have faith that God will take all of that stuff and he will do something really remarkable with it. Having faith for somebody means looking past where they're at right now to see all that Jesus will have them be. This is what Jesus himself did, as he looked at Simon with all his flaws and his weaknesses, and yet he declared, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He had faith, not in Simon Peter himself, but in God for all that Simon Peter would become. And when we have faith for somebody, this isn't meant as a substitute for their own faith. But the faith that we have for them may well lead us to give them space and opportunities to step out and do things. It may lead us to pray for them in a different way. And it could well be the case that the faith that we have for the person is actually the spark that ignites their own faith for what God could do through them. So in the next few minutes, I'll be particularly talking about three groups of people that I would love to challenge us to have faith for. But actually, I believe we should be having faith for everybody in our churches and our church plants, whatever the stage of the Christian journey they're on. So that'll be particularly highlighting these three groups. I would encourage you to be thinking uh, this way about everybody that you lead. And it might well be the case that God is laying some particular people on your heart right now that he wants you to have faith for. So the first group of people that I want to talk about was having faith for is young people, okay? having faith for young people. When Paul took companions on his missionary journeys, one of the people that he chose was Timothy. 
and we know that Timothy was considered by the people of the day to be very young for that role. Paul would at times refer to Timothy as my child, and when he writes to him, he instructs him not to allow other people to look down on him because of his youth. But despite the fact that Timothy was young, Paul trusted him and he had faith for him. As Paul planted churches, Timothy was a key member of his team. And in places like Corinth, we see that Timothy's arrival in that city was enough to cause Paul to significantly up the pace of what he was doing. Moreover, Timothy was entrusted by Paul to represent him in various cities and even to oversee regions of churches to the point of appointing and bringing input to local church elders. And as I look around the church seat, it seems to me that most churches really do value young people. There's an effort made to welcome young people into community and homes get open. Uh, young people are often fed uh, good food and uh, fed regularly. And this is a great thing. There are often prayers said for increasing numbers of young people to join our churches. And young people um, are invited to participate and to join serving teams and get involved in community groups and so forth. And yet there is still often something of a gap when it comes to giving young people the kinds of opportunities that Timothy had. Now, at my church at Christchurch Manchester, uh, we talk about having a, a have-a-go culture. And we also talk about having a low bar of leadership. And when we say have-a-go culture, what we mean is that we're not afraid to try new things. And if it doesn't work, the thing we've tried, that's fine. There are no recriminations. We don't need cast-iron guarantees that something will work in order for us to give it a shot. And when we say a low bar of leadership, we mean that we want to put as few restrictions as possible on people getting involved and taking on significant roles. You don't need to have a proven track record over many years. You don't even have to have been in the church for all that long before you're given important ministry opportunities. And because of this, we found young people excelling in roles that they're rarely given opportunities to do. We've got church planting uh, teams led by students. Uh, we recently put on a preaching course that brought through numbers of new preachers, including 10 of them who are aged 21 or below. And uh, some of those people have already preached in our Sunday meetings and they knocked it out of the park. They were brilliant. We have worship leaders aged 18 and 19 who have been given opportunities and are doing an outstanding job. Now, as well as the low bar of leadership that I referred to, we also talk about a high bar of leadership, which means that we won't throw those people into the deep end um, and just set them up to fail. But as we give them the opportunity, we'll come alongside them and we'll help them and we'll coach them and train them and give them input to shape the way they're ministering and help them develop those gifts that they have to reach a very high standard indeed. This is how Jesus did it with the twelve. He gave them opportunities uh, really soon after following him. They hadn't been following him very long at all when he sent them out two by two to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. But at the same time, he was working with them. They came back, he'd input, how did it go? And he was helping them to grow in their ministry. This is what we mean by having faith for young people. Now, the second group of people that I want to highlight for us to have faith for is people who have stuffed it up. Having faith for people who have stuffed it up. 
Because often when somebody has a go at something and it doesn't go according to plan, that person that could then just be put out on the shelf and are out of mind and out of consideration for any future opportunities that arise. But this isn't Jesus' way of doing things. As you see Jesus journeying with his disciples over the course of the gospel accounts, you see that those disciples mess it up time and time again. They bicker over who is the greatest. They get angry and want to send fire from heaven at a Samaritan village. They lack the faith that Jesus expected they'd have to cast out demons. And Peter even messes up so bad that Jesus refers to him as Satan. And yet at no point are these disciples shelved. Jesus still has faith for them. And even after they denied him and ran away as he bled and died on the cross, still he restored them. Still he had faith for them. And still he commissioned the chief culprit, Peter, uh, to feed my sheep. Jesus still had faith for what God would do through Peter. I mentioned earlier that at Christchurch Manchester we talk about a have-a-go culture. Well, we also talk about a second-chance culture. Whatever has happened, people get another go. When I first moved up to Manchester, I had a crack at planting a church. And it didn't quite go according to plan, but now I'm back on the front line planting another one. There's always a second chance. I can think of others who've walked away from church for a significant period of time with big doubts and with questions about their faith. Now, obviously, when they came back into church, the first priority uh, wasn't for them to take leadership. It was actually for them to heal, to work things through that were going on in their heart and to get back on their feet. And yet we're crystal clear that just because they had a bit of a wobble, the door is not closed uh, for them to take on responsibility again in the future. It's a bit like John Mark in the book of Acts. He messed it up. He left Barnabas and Paul in the lurch when the going got tough. And actually, um, when he wanted to come back, um, Paul and Barnabas fell out about what to do with him. Barnabas took him back on the team straight away, but Paul was sceptical, so they parted ways. But we see later in the New Testament that Paul too has come around to the idea of John Mark being back in the game, and he is grateful for John Mark's ministry. He stuffed it up, but he was welcomed Back and Barnabas had faith for him. Who are those people who've stuffed it up in our churches and in our church plants? Imagine what a difference it would make if there was somebody there that had faith for them. So we've talked about faith for young people. We've talked about faith for people who have stuffed it up. Now, the third group of people that I want us to have faith for is older people. Faith for older people. In Psalm 71, the psalmist writes, So even to old age and grey hairs, O God, do not forsake me, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. People may retire from their jobs, but there's no such thing as retirement from the mission of God. Often older people can be overlooked when it comes to church planting. But actually, some of the best church planters out there are later in life. Now, they might approach things a bit differently to how an impetuous young planter would. But with the wealth of experience and gifting that they have to offer, there is lots that God can and will do through older believers. Abraham was 75 years old when God first called him and 100 by the time he saw God's promise fulfilled. Moses was 80 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. 
I recently uh, had a friend tell me how uh, he and his family had felt kind of managed out uh, of important roles in a church because they were too old. That's a huge mistake. Older people still have a part to play in the kingdom of God. And just as we shouldn't discount those who are young, nor should we discount those who are older, but we should have faith that the best is yet to come and there are still great works ahead of them for them to walk in. So as we draw this to a close, I want to challenge you to bring to mind three people in your church or in your church plant who you have been discounting. The first person uh, will be someone who is young. The second person, someone who's got a blotch on their track record. And the third, an older person. And for those three people, I want you to commit to pray for those people. Ask God that he would give you faith for them. And then start to think about what opportunities you could put out before them for them to minister, for them to get involved and for them to fulfill whatever God has called them to. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder that the full notes on everything we've talked about here are available at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 79. See you next time.